This is a weekend edition of Bigger Pockets Daily. I'm your host, Tyler. This is the show where we read you a real estate article every day, 365 days a year. Because you can't read the Bigger Pockets blog when you're brushing your teeth or doing the books. Okay, almost time for the show. We'll get right into it after this quick break. You're trying to close on your next rental, so why is your insurance company dragging its feet? With long lead times and never-ending paper forms, it's no wonder it takes forever to finally get a policy. Modern investors deserve better. They deserve Steadily.com. At Steadily.com, you'll get fast, affordable landlord insurance available online 24-7 in just a few clicks. You can even get next-day coverage, which takes just minutes, by the way, to obtain. And you can do it all from your phone. Steadily was founded by landlords who created insurance products tailored to the unique needs of this industry. It's their sole focus, and that's why landlords nationwide consistently rate them 4.8 out of 5 stars. So whether you've got a single-family, short-term, or multifamily portfolio, Steadily.com can secure the best coverage at the best price to protect your properties. Discover how Steadily can save you both time and money on your rental property insurance. Visit Steadily.com for a commitment-free quote tailored to your needs today. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that a long time ago before I ever started my real estate business, I turned one of my first primary residences into an Airbnb? And that's the extra income that I needed from Airbnb that gave me the confidence to go out and work for myself and eventually quit my nine to five job. And now I have dozens of Airbnbs all over the country. I've even partnered up with the old David Green on a recent property in Scottsdale to take our portfolio to the next level. And of course, we host it on Airbnb. But you don't need to be a full-time real estate investor to start on Airbnb. As a matter of fact, I was self-managing 10 properties while working my 9-to-5 job, so I know anybody can do it. Think about it this way. You're looking for extra income and going on a vacation. Wouldn't it be great to rent out your space and let your property pay for itself while you're gone? I did this one time. I pitched my wife and my roommate because we were house hacking on the idea of renting out our home, and it paid for all of our expenses on a trip to Mexico City. So go and give it a try. It might just change your life just like it did mine. And I really do mean that. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Think we're headed toward a housing market crash? That mindset will prevent you from making smart investments by Dave Meyer. Do you want to invest in your first or next property, but find yourself wondering if you should wait for the crash before jumping in? If so, you're not alone. I've talked to countless people, from experienced investors to my personal friends and family who are just looking for a primary residence, who are all questioning whether they should buy now or wait for the crash. This is a natural question. No one wants to buy at the height of the market, only to see property values decline for a few years. However, this question also demonstrates a fundamental misunderstanding of the normal cycles in the housing market. The housing market doesn't actually crash on a regular basis, and the belief that it does is preventing people from making sound investing decisions. In my opinion, the basis of this crash fear lies in the trauma of living through the Great Recession and housing collapse in the late 2000s. I call it housing market trauma, not in an attempt to make light of it, but rather to give a name to something experienced by many. How normal economic downturns affect our investing decisions. I completed my undergraduate degree in the spring of 2009, which was, at the time, the worst job market we've seen since the Great Depression. 
Sadly, I think the class of 2020 now holds that unfortunate record. And the events that occurred due to the Great Recession significantly impacted my financial outlook and decision-making. At that point, it was very difficult for me to find work and support myself post-college. As such, that experience shaped the decisions about the jobs I've taken, as well as my decision to obtain a graduate degree to ensure I was employable. And it also directly impacted my decision to start investing in real estate at a young age, which was done in order to generate multiple sources of income. And these types of economic events haven't just impacted me, they've impacted the way we all make decisions about money and investing. For example, in the late 2000s, people across the United States watched as housing prices declined by nearly 20% and as millions lost their jobs and homes. As such, it's no surprise that, as a nation, we've lost some faith in the housing market. What happened during the Great Recession was historically bad, and people rightfully want to understand the risks of homeownership and real estate investing. To do that, Let's look at the history of the housing market and put the events of the late 2000s into context. If we look at the median home price in the U.S. dating back to the early 1960s, we see that the housing market does not regularly decline. In fact, it has only crashed once. Note that I define a crash as a decline in assets of more than 10%. Other than what happened in the late 2000s, there are two prolonged periods of flat or negative growth. In the early 1990s, the U.S. housing prices, in nominal terms, dropped at 8%, but gained back half of the losses within a single quarter and prices returned to previous highs in about two years. At the end of 2017, prices were flat or down. And this continued for a few years, with an initial drop of 5-7% to nationally, followed by a flat period that lasted about three years before prices recovered. These types of flat or negative growth periods are what I would call normal market cycles. Things can't always go up. Even in a healthy economy, prices will flatten or decline for periods between economic expansions. But what about the crash of 2007? On the other hand, what happened back in 2007 was a whole other animal. Starting in the first quarter of 2007, an actual crash occurred. Housing prices dropped by 19% nationally before bottoming out in early 2009. It would take until 2013, a full six years later, for prices to recover. From a historical perspective, what happened in 2007 was unprecedented. This was a genuine crash accompanied by a historic recession, and it was generally just a mess. But it was awful, and it's natural that many people in the U.S. are worried this could happen again. But just because the last contraction was historically massive doesn't mean that the next one will be too. In fact, it's unlikely that the next down period in the housing market will come close to what happened in 2007. Could it happen? Yes. There is certainly a risk that the housing market crashes again but it seems unlikely based on the housing market's fundamentals. I've written about this extensively. You can find those at biggerpockets.com. But let's review. The 2007 collapse was fueled by a number of factors, 
but two directly related to the housing market are speculative, buying and building, and very loose credit standards. These are two conditions that don't exist today. New construction in 2007 versus now. Let's start by looking at new construction in the U.S. As has been well documented, construction in the U.S. struggled to recover from the Great Recession. It's been nearly a decade, and yet construction rates have only recently reached the levels that existed in the late 1990s and early 2000s. In fact, most experts like the National Association of Realtors and Freddie Mac believe this has led to a historic supply shortage of between 4 million and 7 million homes in the U.S. I believe that this is something to keep an eye on as construction numbers continue to grow. That said, I don't think we're at the point where there's a huge risk of overdevelopment, at least on a national scale. Some individual markets may become overbuilt. Credit standards in 2007 versus now. Secondly, credit standards are different now than they were in 2007. After the Dodd-Frank Act was passed, mortgage standards were tightened significantly. The first data set I like to follow is mortgage originations by credit score. And all you have to do to find this for yourself is search for the Mortgage Credit Availability Index or the Disposal Income to Debt Service Ratios to find it. The data shows that Americans are much better positioned to service their debt today, even with increased home prices, than they were in the late 2000s. For these reasons, and others, strong demographic demand, relatively low interest rates, and the volatility of other asset classes, to name a few, I believe the most likely outcome of the next down period in the housing market will be much less severe and shorter-lived than the crash in 2007. In other words, while the downturn will have to come sooner or later, it won't be nearly as impactful as it was back then. Other factors to consider about the current housing market. Here are a few other things to consider. 1. Although I personally believe we will see price growth through at least the end of 2022, the housing market will decline or flatten in the coming years. This is normal and to be expected. And when it happens, please don't let people who have been predicting a crash since 2014 claim they were right. 2. It is extremely hard to time the market. Many prominent investors have been calling crashes for years, and they've all been wrong. I don't think the market will decline in 2022, but I could very well be wrong. Timing the markets is hard, and I don't recommend trying to. 3. If you find a good deal right now, take it. The market could go up another 15% before declining 15%, or it could decline tomorrow. We just don't know. In times like these, it's important to focus on your personalized deal criteria and stay disciplined. But if you find a deal that fits your long-term strategy and financial goals, take it and don't look back. But, as always, make sure you have liquidity to cover all expenses, and then some, to ensure you never have to sell at the bottom of the market. Four, lastly, don't panic if things go down. The worst possible time to have purchased real estate in the history of the U.S. was probably the beginning of 2007. But even if you bought the median prices home in January of 2007 and held on until today, 
your property would have averaged a compound annual growth rate, CAGR, of nearly 5% over the last 15 years. Not a home run, but that's buying at the worst possible time. If you add on the roughly 5% CAGR you'd get from loan pay down over that time, you're at 10% annualized returns, and that's without considering tax benefits or any cash flow. If you held on, it didn't turn out that badly at all. Final thoughts. If you want to get into real estate investing, don't dwell on the trauma of 2007. Yes, housing prices will go down again, and it will be difficult when it happens. But no one, myself included, knows when that is going to happen. So don't try to time the market. I know the market will go down in the coming years, and I'm looking to buy now anyway because a mortgage is 3.5%, and that's still an incredible opportunity. Determine for yourself what a good deal is. Once you do, go out and find something that meets your criteria. Buy it and hold on to it for a long time to come. There you have it. You can find a link to that article in the show description. Sometimes the discussions in the comments section are just as insightful as the article itself. Enjoy the rest of the weekend, and don't worry. We've got more shows in the pipeline to get you in the right state of mind going into this next week.